during worship at 8 o'clock, I had this feeling that I wanted to sneeze. And that's a whole new world now. Because if I, I, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this. When I'm out in public, it's like the worst thing I think I can do. You know what I mean? I'll be like, oh, no, it's a sneeze. Please, don't have to sneeze. And you try and choke it back, which makes it worse and all sort of things. But sneezes still happen. It doesn't really mean anything. But, uh, but I didn't want to sneeze. So, so far, so good. Now that I've said it, kind of thinking about wanting to sneeze again. But it's all good. I don't have to. So uh, we're very glad you're with us today. And uh, thank you for joining us online. Great to have you all here. We're doing a series I called An Unshakable Foundation. And again, thank you for sort of walking through this with me. I just felt like it was an appropriate time. We talked about being rebuilders. And this is an opportunity for us to to work on foundation. And we can't always. A lot of things happening and busy. But it just felt like it was a great time to go back. Make sure that we have a great foundation. And part of that is, um, I want you to be in a place where no matter what's happening in the world around you, you're so comfortable in your part of the story that you get what's going on and that you just stay tied into the story. And they don't take you all over the place, all the events of the world. I get they're crazy and stuff, but, but we're part of a story. And it's a great story. And it's a story that runs from the beginning to the end of the scripture. And I, I told you about the Bible and how amazing it is tied together and, and uh, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was written over a 1500 year time span, 40 different authors, 66 books, and yet woven together with these amazing threads and themes and pictures and stories. And just, it's alive and it's, it's the most amazing, wonderful thing and gift we've been given the Bible. And, 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 you know, I want you to be able to appreciate the story that runs from beginning to end. And there's themes, and one of the big themes that you have to connect with is how God wants to dwell with us. It's the heart of God. You see it in creation and, and the sort of cosmic temple, I call it. It was a place where heaven and earth met. God dwelt with us. And then because of the fall, you know, we blew that and that, that blew up. And then, then we see it again right in Exodus when the tabernacle's made. And God wants to come and dwell with us. There, there needs to be a place where heaven and earth meet. And, and, and so we had it in the beginning, fell tabernacle time of exodus heaven and earth meet last week we talked about temple there's heaven and earth again now holy spirit dwells in us heaven and earth meet and we have the promise of what's coming we'll talk about that more but understanding that begins to change things and we're talking more and more about the impact of those things on our lives and how they change things and so i want you to be aware of that last week we sort of left the story um, where uh you know david wanted to build a house for god but god said no i'm going to build a house for you and he was talking about not just a building but a family we're going to tie that in some more today and solomon we'd seen how he'd prayed and the presence of god came and was in the temple we'll pick up the story there in just a moment so uh so that's where we're heading. Bad joke time. Now, I'm going to tell you this joke, and now I want to preface it because the last two groups haven't gotten it at all. And I, but I said, let me wait. My 930 group, my 930 group, they're going to get this joke. Let me begin by telling you a little bit about myself. It's a reflective pronoun that means me. See, here's a problem. That hasn't gone at all. And people still look at me. What's he talking about? Myself is a... But I was roaring at that. I expected you to appreciate that joke the way that I appreciated it. And I realized that there's something wrong with me and the few of you who enjoyed it. So I'm sorry about it. I was the only appointment my dentist had the other day, but I had to cancel. Apparently, I was a disappointment. 
When I told that last night, one of the people from the dental office was actually here. When I was younger, I was, you, you, may, you may not know this, when I was younger, I was once in a band called uh, Teenage Bed. We never made it. <laughs> Chewbacca crashed a Millennium Falcon the first time he flew it. Wookie mistake. <laughs> Alice, my love, please come. Make this all better. Goodness, As only you can do. That's a tall order. The Star Wars joke was okay. I liked that one. Wookie. The, the Wookiee Wookie one? Mistake. Okay. Yeah. I didn't hear it last time, so I didn't laugh. But the other ones, I don't know so much. Come on. <laughs> Reflective pronoun. That, never oh, mind. Oh, Lord. Stop. Just stop. Let's, let's go back to the Father, shall we, before we read the word together? Come, Holy Spirit. Come back. <laughs> Let your kingdom come, Father, again, in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, give us hearts that want to respond and obey. We thank you, Father, that you're always with us, that your face never turns from us. And during this time in our lives where there's so much turmoil, inner and outer, let us be still long enough to hear your whisper of love. Let us be still long enough to walk in that love each and every day that we would truly be your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to read out of Isaiah, chapter 52, starting at verse 7 and going through 12. Awake. Oh, wait, sorry, I've done that wrong every time. Okay, we're going to start at 7. Sorry, I was starting at 1 and it would have been too long. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices and together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the article of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Blessed be the word of God. Amen. (laughs) They're probably wondering what we talk about in between there. I just told her how pretty she looked. All right, so, the story. Got to have the story. So many things happen when you, when you get the story and how it fits. So, so remember, again, we've talked about it. We've been, you know, the creation, heaven and earth, the fall blows that apart. God wants to dwell with his people, so 
Exodus happens, gets them out in the desert, and says, here's what you're going to do, build a tabernacle. Presence of God shows up in the tabernacle, glory of God, really cool. And then we move up to the time of the temple, and that's what we were looking at last week. And David wants to build his house, but he, you know, that's not going to work, because God wants to build a house, you know, and a family and a building. But Solomon builds uh, a building, he builds a temple, he prays that the presence of God would come. The presence of God fills the temple, glory of God is there, it's an amazing thing, it's the kind of glory of God, really cool thing. And, and so... They have a place where heaven and earth meet again. And, you know, the temple experience. When they went to temple, they believed that they were stepping into heaven. That that, that was the picture. They they got that. And they had it right. You know, it's we sort of backed away from that. I tell you, you know, the philosophies that we've grabbed onto culturally separate heaven and earth and, and yet they overlap and that's what we're looking at all the time and they, they understood that intersection and you know they'd be excited to go to temple you know and, and there was it was there was courts you know there was the, the outer farthest where the Gentile court was out there and then the court of the women and then the court of the men and then the court of the priests and they were building closer and closer to the presence of God that was behind this curtain you know and high priest only had access but there was the presence of God on the planet and that's the picture. And that's what they had. And yet, they keep going their own way, as people will do. And they continue to, to worship other gods. And we see in Scripture, the presence of God actually leave the temple. Which is earth-shattering, I think, when you read it. And, and if you, it's in Ezekiel 10. I'll read you the few verses. But get a chance. We go back and look at Ezekiel 9, 10, 11. Verse 10, 3, chapter 10, 3. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in and a cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. And the cloud filled the temple and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of the Lord. The presence is there, but it's moving now. And it's moved from where he's been and he's gone to the threshold now. And Ezekiel, he sees this picture as sort of a whirling chariot. That's how he's trying to describe it. It has wheels and it's a chariot and it's whirling. It's spinning about. That's, the, that's how he's trying to describe the presence of God. And then in verse 18, same chapter, Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple, stopped above the cherubim. And while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground. And as they went, the wheels went with them. And they stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the Lord of Israel was above them. The presence has left the temple now. It's over the gate. And then in the next chapter, verse 23, the glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountains east of it. The presence of God is gone now, stops at the mountains, and then goes. And there is no longer a place where heaven and earth meet. Saddest times that you can imagine when, when what's supposed to be happening doesn't happen. And, and what happens next is the Babylonians come and they capture Jerusalem and they destroy it and they destroy the temple. There's, now the temple's gone. The presence is gone. Now the temple's actually gone. There's not even a... a and, and the people are taken into captivity in the Babylon. And they're going to spend 70 years there. And while they're there, the prophets begin to speak about what's going to happen. And what the prophets start saying, and this is Isaiah is one of them, and the others begin to speak, Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel, all these guys, um, they're saying that what's going to happen is that a time's going to come and the people of Israel, they're going to be able to go back and they're going to be able to rebuild the temple and um, it's going to be an amazing time in what's going to happen. And so I want to start talking about that today. So... So there's this idea, this discussion of new temple and things that are going to happen and God's going to come back. And so the people of God are sent back and we'll watch what happens. Now, one of the things you need to know in the story, and this is really important, is we need to understand the kingdom of God. And 
um, I will be talking about the kingdom of God now on and off throughout the messages that we do because it, you need to sort of grasp the concept. Too often, I think, when we read the kingdom of God in Scripture, we, we start to think that it's talking about heaven. And, and this has been our thinking. But that's not what's talking there. Um, whenever you read about the kingdom of God in the New Testament, it's about God's rule and reign on earth. It's about heaven coming to earth. It's that picture of the connection that we're talking about. That's what's happening when we talk about the kingdom of God. And so Isaiah actually begins to talk about this. In Isaiah 52, the passage I had uh, Alice read, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion... Your God reigns. That's the picture of, of what's going to happen. Uh, and he said, listen, your watchmen lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, when, the, when he comes back, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So Isaiah is talking to the people in Babylon. As well as to us. Remember I said when you read prophetic stuff, there's usually a, an immediate implication and then a, a future implication. So he's talking to the people that are in exile and Babylon. And, you know, what that means for them is that God reigning means that what's going to happen is that they're going to be released from captivity and they're going to be sent back to Jerusalem and, and they're going to rebuild the temple. And that's what it means, your God reigns. And all those things happen. After 70 years, Cyrus says, go. They go back. They rebuild the temple. They're there, but something doesn't happen. All those prophetic things come true, except for the last part. The presence of God doesn't show up. He just doesn't show up. And we know that even, even the Jewish writers at the time in history are saying, you know, it's good, great to have the temple back, but we don't have the Shekinah glory here. The presence of God isn't here. There's a residual. There's something going on. And part of what they had was, I think this is fascinating, because they were teaching scripture, the Torah was being taught, um, the wisdom of God was there, and so there was this sort of residue, if you would, of, of the presence. Uh, the only way I can think of it, have you ever gone into a, a really old church? Um, and, 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 and maybe they weren't even meeting. There wasn't people meeting there. Unfortunately, that happens if you go over into Europe, places we visited, some old churches where nobody would meet anymore. They, they weren't. But there was this sacredness about it because you, you knew that God had been there um, and, and they sort of had that. But they didn't have the presence of God that they'd heard about and that they wanted to experience again and that they understood was supposed to happen. This, this life-changing presence of God that they'd experienced in the first temple. And so he, he, it's just not there. And, and so we have this problem. And so they're looking and looking. But it doesn't happen. So, you know, then, then the question becomes is what will it look like when God comes back? What are we looking for uh, in this time? Because we built the temple and we have the prophets saying these things. What's going on? And, and you know, so their, their images and their pictures are kind of like, well, we knew God's presence, you know, in the Exodus. We understood it was, you know, uh, uh, the pillar and the fire and before and behind us. And Isaiah actually drags that into the, the concept when he says, you'll not leave in haste or go in flight, but the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear God. So they have this picture of, is that what we're looking for? Ezekiel gave us another picture. Is that what it's going to look like again? These sort of, this whirling chariot, you know, that's this amazing thing. But we don't see that's, that's not happening either. What is it that we're waiting for? What is it that we're looking for? And finally, along comes Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets that we have. And he said, oh, no, no, they're all true. All these, these prophets were right. But, but it hasn't happened the way you expected. You weren't sure what to be looking for. And he says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. 
Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. That is such a powerful passage there in the story. The, the Lord will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant will come, says the Lord Almighty. So Malachi, what he's saying is, he said, listen, it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen the way you expect. Well, who's the messenger that he's talking about? See, the messenger that he's talking about that now, we know who it is. John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He came and he prepared the way of the Lord. Well, who, who was the Lord that he was talking about? Obviously, Jesus. And then the Apostle John begins to give us some more information. He said, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's drawing in some Genesis stuff there. And then in verse 14, he goes, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Tabernacled among us is actually that word there. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. But John does this amazing thing. He says, Jesus has come and, and he's tabernacled among us. In his body, he's a picture of the temple. Fully God, fully man. We have a place in Jesus where heaven and earth meet. This is what they were waiting for. This is what they were looking for. This is the fulfillment of all those prophetic voices. But the people couldn't see it because they were looking for other things. But Malachi I told him, this is what it's going to look like. Look for the messenger and then watch what happens. And the Lord's going to come to his temple. Now, there's a wealth of stuff in that chapter of John 1 that I'm going to talk about next week. We're going to dive deep. And I'm so excited. I almost wanted to do it this week, but it'd be too long. So we're going to wait till next week. So read John 1 and come back ready. And then, and then I, think, I think you're really going to get, you get a kick out of it. But for now, what happens is, as we hang on to our story, is that, that Jesus then, he, he goes to the temple. When he arrives, verse 19, Jesus entered him, destroy this temple, he says, and I'll raise it again in three days. And they reply, it's taken 46 years for us to put this back together again, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Something happens because all of a sudden their eyes are opened because of what they see in the story. And they make this connection and, and the entire thing changes. These guys who had been reading the Hebrew scriptures their entire lives studied them and were, were trying to figure them out. And they were wrestling through them with Jesus. All these things were happening. And all of a sudden, when Jesus goes and defeats death and raises again, all of a sudden it connects from These light bulbs go off and they start telling the story differently. And it's this amazing thing that happens. And, and see, we, we're so blessed that we see so much of it from this side. But they made these connections. And I, I love thinking about these times um, when I'm, I'll read the scripture and I'll, uh, all of a sudden I'll see something that I hadn't noticed before. The Holy Spirit shows me something in the scripture. And it's like, <gasps> and, it, and it changes like all sorts of stuff not, not in a good way. All of a sudden all these other things start to tie in in the story. You go, <gasps> well, that's what was going on. And I know that's what's happening with John and the other guys. When all these things happen, they go, <gasps> that's what he meant. That's what was happening. All these things were written about that we couldn't quite understand. But now we begin to get it, and, they, and they're tying together, and they make sense in what's happening. And we see what's taking place on this journey. And, and, and they start making more connections. Well, he, Jesus, he didn't have 12 tribes, but he had 12 disciples. 
And just like Israel, he, he went into Egypt and then he was delivered from Egypt. And then, oh, well, that's right, he goes through the water. Remember in baptism? And he goes through the water just like that. And then where does he go? Out into the wilderness. Who does that sound like? Just like the people of Israel. And then what does he do when he comes out of the wilderness? Well, he goes to the mountain. What's he give them? The Sermon on the Mount. How This is how you live. How, just like... In the, in the Old Testament during the Exodus, and they, they got the Ten Commandments. This is how you live now. This is, this is what makes you different. And that's what we got in the sermon. And they start to make all these amazing connections. And, and, and they're saying, oh, that's what he meant. He was saying that he was the temple. That's the connection. That's what we were looking for. That's how all these things tie together. And then from there, you know, because Paul, he takes us even another level. But Matthew will say in Matthew twenty-seven fifty, he records this. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. The the, the temple that had separated God and be is torn when Jesus does what he does, and it shakes the earth. Uh, it, it's that much of a big deal. And Paul then connects it together for us. He says, listen, when God, uh, when this temple was made, it was never God's desire to ever really rest in a building. That's what he, not what he wanted. And we saw the neighbor. What he wants is to be with his people. And all of a sudden, the story unfolds and it begins to make sense. And these guys begin to see it. And they begin to teach it. And this is our story. And, and yet, sometimes it's easy to lose your story. And it's hard to see, and we don't talk about these things, and we've been influenced by so many other things, and we, we have trouble trying to grasp this idea, heaven and earth overlapping. We think, no, heaven, and we, we've got our stories all wrong, but this is the story that we're to live in, and this is the story we find hope in. And so we, we have these situations, and, and see, the, the thing with God was, he always wanted to dwell with people. He wanted to do the things on the planet with us. He doesn't have to do it that way. It's how he chooses to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to partner with my, my earthly family, and we're going to do amazing things on the planet. That's what he wanted to do from the beginning. And all I want is people that will choose to do them with me, choose to do my will. That's what I'm looking for. And, and yet we repeatedly choose to go our own way. We just keep going our own way, going our way. So God has to do something. And so... I, <laughs> Point number three is he rolls up his sleeves. Look, because this is in Isaiah, and, and if you're not looking for it, you might miss this. And I love this. This is one of those things. Verse 10, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That lay bare your arm, know what that, how we would translate it now? He rolls up his sleeves. God is going to roll up his sleeves and he's going to do it himself. He's going to come and he's going to model for us what humanity was always intended to be. He's going to come as Jesus. He's going to show us what it looks like to be truly human. See, that's who, who Jesus is. Fully God, fully man. He's God coming. It's God rolling up his sleeves that the whole earth is going to see what God's going to do for his people because he loves them. And he's going to come. He rolls up his sleeves. I love that picture. And see, we know that to be true. And then it comes as Jesus because in the very next chapter in Isaiah 53, this amazing connection happens. It starts in verse 1. Who's believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? How, how are we going to know that we, this is what God means by he's rolling up his sleeves? What in the world is that going to look like? Well, then the rest of that chapter is about Jesus. Prophetically. People all know this is about Isaiah, this is about you know Israel. No, this is about Jesus. Look for the connections written hundreds of years before Jesus arrives on the scene and goes through what he goes through. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised 
and rejected by mankind. The one who came to deliver them was rejected by the very people he came for. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed. For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. That's what we've done. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep... Before it shears his silence, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied, resurrected from the dead by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I'll give him a portion among the great. No greater name than the name of Jesus. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he's poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And so that, now, after Jesus goes to the cross, defeats death, and rises again, his guys, who couldn't figure that out beforehand, remember, they were arguing with him, you're never going to do that, that's not what's going to happen, this is what we're going to do, and all of a sudden, oh, I just love that picture, light bulbs everywhere, ah, now that story makes sense, you're the one we were waiting for all along, you came to show us what it looks like, you're, you're the model of humanity, Listen, you'll never be truly human until you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He completes that in us. The Holy Spirit comes and and moves us in that direction. And and it's the most amazing life. Sometimes people sort of push the idea of being in a relationship with God away because they think we wouldn't have any fun. Well, then I can't be the, you know, this is how we have fun as people. Uh Uh-uh. This life in Christ, this is life. This is becoming truly human. This is what it looks like. This is the change that happens. And so these things are happening in us. And so these connections happen that we need to see and understand in the story. And then when we read things like in in Matthew 20, 20, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew's saying this is what was ta- Isaiah was talking about all along. Mark 1.15, his idea of kingdom, again, you know, God, your God reigns. Uh, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The story is happening. It's taking place. Jesus has come. I'm the one that you were waiting for. I'm the temple. I'm the place where heaven and earth meet. And then he goes and he defeats death and he rises again. And then what's he do? He says, listen, I got to go. And if I don't go, you're going to miss out on something really cool. But if I go, I'm going to send the counselor to you. Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit then uh, just dwells. God comes and lives in believers. And this changes everything. I like to think of it, we become the portable presence of the Lord. And this ties into me with that Isaiah 52 passage that we were reading. Depart, depart, go out from there. It's telling them when they leave from exile. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You're going to live differently. 
You who carry the articles of the Lord's house, the, the stuff that was in the temple had been stolen, and they bring it back with them. And, and they're to live in a different way. And that's what it's a picture to me of living with the Holy Spirit in you. You're to live in a life that the Holy Spirit will help you to live. And He's going to help you, and He's going to change you over time. And we carry His presence where we go. How does that connect? Well, so we, we talk all the time about now we're the temple of God um, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And it happens individually and it happens corporately. See, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And there he's talking plural. The use of plural is talking about in the church. When you get together with the church, the Holy Spirit's there. You're now the temple. Uh, you're our place where heaven and earth meet. <laughs> Just had this thought. So... When we come together and the Holy Spirit is here, do you realize that there's an overlap between heaven and earth here? That's what you're entering into. I'm just going to... No. It's, a, it's an overlap. Do you know sometimes we were talking about this the other day when we begin to worship, we'll hear angels singing. There's, there's, there's voices that join in. You might... You know, people are going to think, oh, he's nuts. There's... <laughs> I, doesn't all, I don't always hear it, but sometimes I hear it, and I'll go and we'll ask some other people, and they'll go, did you hear it? Did you hear it? And the, why did the angels join? Because heaven and earth overlap. There's people who see that connection that happens sometimes, and, and see it happens. And, and we just go, oh no, I'm just going to church. No. We're gathering together, and there's this overlap happening, and it's so amazing, and the Holy Spirit is here, and we're the temple. We're actually stepping in for those moments. And then beyond that, he says this in 1 Corinthians six 19, Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. There it's individual. He's saying you, you're filled with the Spirit, not just when you gather, but when you're everywhere. You're everywhere you go. You, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You're the temple of God. And to me, that see, that means wherever we go, we take Jesus with it. Just as wherever Jesus went, he took God with him because he was fully God and fully man. Now we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, we're taking Jesus. I love to think about it. Jesus, you want to go over here? Um, you ought to be listening. He goes, yeah, let's not. You don't say that about many places. Should we go here? Yeah, let's go here. And we're, we're taking him with us everywhere you go. And, and we're being built. See up this whole idea is we're being built. Look, Paul says, listen, let me give you some more pictures that tie into everything that we've read about temple and houses and families and buildings. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become what? A holy temple in the Lord. There's all this stuff happening now. Heaven and earth meet, and, and we're out there doing it. And, and what that means when you take that in is, is all of us have purpose. All of us have a mission. All of us play a part. We take Jesus with us everywhere we go. You know, I, I often say our mission here, just it's one more. We talk about one more lost child back to death. But how about another? I like thinking about it this way. How about if our purpose in a, in a crazy planet with everything upside down, chaos and all these things and the little g gods of unrest making as much havoc as they can and causing fear to try and spread and how about if we understand because we serve the god of rest and life and because we're a part of his story that we we take it all the way down to what am i supposed to be doing i just need to go out and make some friends for jesus that's it that's what he's asked us to do could you just make me some friends I just want to hang out with people. I want people to know me. 
I want to be in relationship with folks. Could you make me some friends? When I think of it that way, just it puts everything into a different perspective. And that's because we're in this story. So I want you to know how you fit in this story. And so be thinking about that. Next week, i got this neat little tie-in. So come back. John 1. Somebody told me, oh, we're, we're leaving town this week. I said, well, watch it online then. But come back. Get ready. It's going to be good. All right, let's pray. We're, we're done. Alice, why don't you come up, honey, and join me. So, Papa, um, we're thankful to be a part of your story and all that that means. And, and Holy Spirit, would you just come now and move among us and settle on us? Thank you that, that you dwell in us and that right now we're connected, heaven and earth. We're, we're, we're literally in that connection point. And in that connection point, would you just minister among your people? God, would you stir them? Would you um, give them rest? Would you give them peace? Would you take away their fears? God, would you calm them? Would you strengthen them? Would you encourage them? Holy Spirit, would you come and change us? Let us not leave here the same way that we came in, but let us come and, and let us leave knowing that we've connected with you in a significant way and that we have purpose. And that, that you're sending us out from here to be the portable presence of God. To, to, to go and to make some friends for Jesus. And let us see those opportunities, God. Give us eyes to see like you do. I just pray look, for, for, for supernatural vision on your people. God, would you come and, and touch and bring healing to those who need it today. God, in whatever area of life that looks like, you know, physical, emotional, God, whatever it would be. In a minute, Steve's going to give people an opportunity to ask Jesus into their life and to become a friend of Jesus. And when he said, all you have to do is go out and make, make friends for Jesus, Jesus wants you to be his friend. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. He just wants friends. So whether you're here listening online, if that's you, when Steve gives that instruction, respond. And then there, I felt like the Lord showed me that someone here is like out of words in your prayers. You don't have the words. And so you just this week have yelled, help, like we taught you, help, help. And the Lord wants you to know that this is your answer. And it's Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord will keep you from all harm, and he will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Psalm 121. Amen. Good word, good word. So, Lord, have your way in us. Thank you for the amazing privilege of being your friends. You're an awesome, awesome God. Listen, all of this starts by asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. By saying yes, as Alice said. I, I want to be your friend, Jesus. And, and we do it, really. It's, he's done all the hard work. Our, our, it's just to receive what he's done for us. And so we come in and, and it's basically just saying yes to the Lord. I, I, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? 
And if you've never prayed that sort of prayer, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. Just say yes to Jesus. I want to be your friend. If you do that, would you text that word to me, heart, to that number, just so I can celebrate with you. I want to know that you, you've, you've made that decision, best decision you'll ever make, and we'll celebrate together. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity, um, all of you online and everybody here, and allowing us to continue to minister to the community the ways that we are. We had a great giveaway yesterday, giving away uh, a thousand pounds of school supplies and backpacks to the people around us. Yeah, amen. And we still got more we're giving away, and we just uh, we sent some that are going to go over to Haiti for some of the kids that we take care of over there. So really cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making that happen and for all of your amazing generosity. We've got another outreach coming up we're planning for in the first weekend of September. We're uh, back with Chef Matt. We're going to do a, a barbecue meal kit that we're going to give away. should be really cool. So thank you for that. And uh, here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Don't remember, don't forget, as you go, please go out these doors. They're open for you so you don't have to touch anything. And don't, like, you know, bunch up there. Keep that social distancing happening so you, you be the judge and you sort of get it on the way out. And uh, we love you guys. We'll see you soon. God bless. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.